Hello and welcome back to Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ. How have you been going, DJ? Oh, I'm going good. Going good. Having gone corona crazy, I'll give you but that. But have you got your toilet paper? <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. Are you sure you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> I have enough. Enough to even make a pillow fort. So you're the bugger who bought it all. <laughs> Not all. I left some for a couple of people. I will publish your address and tell the people to get what belongs to them. <laughs> I only bought like what one one packet of them. Don't buy many. <laughs> Wait, so you could build a, a fort with one packet of toilet paper? Oh, yeah, was I mean, is one packet of toilet paper like six or seven of them? Yeah. Yeah. How small are you? Like you're short, but you're not that short. Well, now you know what they always say: tiny but mighty. No. Have, have, have you have you saved up as many toilet papers as as people would speculate? No, I haven't because I'm not an idiot. What is all? What is all this? What's with all the people buying toilet paper though? I have no idea. I wish I understood. <laughs> like someone told me a very um, interesting explanation, which is basically if you get infected, you cannot go out, so you're basically isolated. Hence the large amounts of toilet paper and. Woolies delivers. You've got friends and family. Yeah, the quarantine is only for two weeks. It should probably be longer, but right now it's only for two weeks. You don't need to buy 13 tons of toilet paper. <laughs> Did you hear about the news this morning with the toilet paper, though? They're uh, limiting supplies. Oh, no, not only that, the... Um... Apparently, some truck that was delivering toilet paper, um, paper expl- um, exploded in the middle of the highway. Oh, yeah. Coal fire because of a, an engine <laughs> problem. Yeah. I was, I was like, what the hell? That's not going to help things. <laughs> Luckily, the toilet paper factories are ramping up production and working 24-7, which is going to be great in a month when this all blows over and nobody's buying toilet paper. Imagine being the shareholder of the, of the toilet paper company. This yeah, I honestly thought it would be the uh, the canned food companies that you wanted to get in with. <laughs> toilet no, paper is the way to go. Toilet paper is the way to go. <laughs> anyway, uh, our first topic for the tonight is something some people regard as at least as disastrous as coronavirus. The Doctor Who finale. <laughs> you were griping about this for a while, weren't you? Um, not really griping. Like, nowhere near as much as you gripe about things. <laughs> anyway, this next bit has massive spoilers. Skip the 25 minutes to avoid the spoilers. So, in the last episode, the Doctor spent 45 minutes standing still while the Master told them how they are the Timeless Child, a alien cr- creature found on a, a, alone on a planet who is responsible for all Time Lords being able to regenerate, which ties in with the um, Cartmel Master Plan. So Chibnall is apparently going full caramel marzipan. <laughs> Because what is now that? <laughs> it's a pun on Cartmel Master Plan. So back in the 80s, before Doctor Who was cancelled, this guy uh, writing for the show, Andrew Cartmel, he decided that the Doctor had to be important and mysterious and not just a guy who got fed up and ran away from home. So he came up with this plan that stuff like, 
the Doctor is one of the three founders of Time Lord Society, but he can't remember it. He's known as the other, the um, which is basically what they've just revealed with the Doctor being the timeless child, one of the like the first regenerator and one of the founders of Time Lord Society. <laughs> See when 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 they revealed the that whole thing, it to me it just felt like oh great they found an excuse to make more and more Doctor Who episodes. Get out of here with your glum mood. We want more <laughs> Doctor Who. I'm serious, man. That's what's happening. That's what's happening, man. It's not glum. I'm just being pra- pragmatic about it. Well, they could already do that because the Doctor's been given an unknown number of regenerations. Wasn't it earlier on, like, 13 regenerations for the Doctor? Yeah, that wasn't established until the episode The Deadly Assassin. Mm -hmm. And we already know that they lift that limit whenever they want, basically. And they can uh, revive dead Time Lords if they want to, because they brought the Master back to life, like, half a dozen times. (laughs) But anyway, the um, writers from Cartmill's group contributed to the Virgin New Adventures books, which then go into extreme detail on the history of Time Lord Society and basically build off the uh, details of the Carmel Master Plan, including that Time Lords aren't born, they're grown out of these things called looms, sort of cloning devices, and that Time Lord memories are recycled and like their souls are sort of recycled put into new bodies. Huh. Yeah, so now technically looms are canon, and this is driving people nuts <laughs> because it's been a meme for years that looms it a canon, but now it's true. Oh man, I would say there's that episode when I saw it the when I, when I when I saw the synopsis, I just went, "What? No way! What?" Like, I, like the, my my other que- my question for that for that episode was, okay, if the doctor is the time um, doctor is the timeless child, why call it the timeless children? In, in, I don't yeah. know. I mean, because I was looking at a couple, of, I was looking at the old episodes um, leading up to the finale, and the master in one of the episodes was saying, "Oh, um, have you ever seen the timeless child? It's buried in all of us." And I was thinking. Maybe the master could be one of the timeless children. Now, by old episode, do you mean an old episode? Or do you mean one from a few weeks ago? Yeah, one from a few weeks ago, yeah. That's not really old, is it? It is old. So, yeah, actually, that ties into a discussion that has been had several times on the Gallifrey subreddit, where the master being the timeless child makes more sense, because then he's been tortured and experimented on for years. Even if he doesn't remember it, that's going to leave him up. And that's why he's so nuts. But no, the doctor's just like, oh, gee, it's, um, I've got unlimited regenerations. I literally cannot die. I have no idea who I am, but now I know. And ah, forget it. It doesn't change anything. <laughs> oh, man. And so... the division that the Doctor worked for. Why the division? Why not a Celestial Intervention Agency? The prior <laughs> established element with that exact purpose. Was it like the division sounds like like that old Star Trek um, intelligence agency, Section 55? Was it Section... Section 13, that thing that's the one. Yeah. Uh, but the other problem is um, in that episode, I loved it. Um, I hated how the, it ended. What, the Doctor being kidnapped by Jadoon? Yeah. But it's a platoon of Jadoon on an asteroid. 
But still, she say well, she basically saved hum- oh, the universe again. And that happens like every second episode. As in, as in, like every time she saves the universe, she gets arrested. No, but the Doctor saves the universe every second episode. Yeah, I get that, but getting arrested—that's uh, yeah. Uh, not that uncommon. Mm. But yeah, uh, I like that. But that, uh, that's an interesting cliffhanger, though, to end it on because to um, with my article, um, they've announced the Christmas special. Yes, and- Revolution of the Daleks. <laughs> now it's quite clear that what she was going for here, Revolution, is a thing that turns right. Yep. So this is about a Dalek who's stuck turning in circles. <laughs> what else turns in circles? A lazy Susan. Who is Susan? The Doctor's granddaughter. Susan is back. <laughs> That's one heck of a theory, I'll give you that. <laughs> Susan is back. <laughs> Don't take this from me, Chris. <laughs> oh, no. So, with... So basically, uh, the BBC says that the episode will air in the upcoming festive season. No date announced. Um, the series has aired its special on New Year's Day. BBC has also confirmed that Whitaker will again be joined by companions. Ryan, played by Tosin Cole. Graham, played by Bradley Walsh. And Yas, played by Mandeep Gill in Revolution of the Dialects. Sorry, who was the second one? Uh, Yas, played by Mandeep Gill. The second one. Oh, right. Count. Graham. Graham played by... Graham. Yeah. Graham. What is that? Graham. It's Graham. Graham. <laughs> Graham. Um, yeah, kind of disappointed about that. I was thinking um, maybe this would be the chance for at least Yaz and Ryan to move on with their lives and for either Graham to keep traveling with the doctor because he doesn't have much left on earth to go back to. You know, his wife's dead, he's getting old. Why not go and travel the universe? Interesting you mentioned that because a couple of days ago, um, Bradley Walsh has basically said that he's done after this year's Christmas special. Oh, oh, well that, that sucks. And also he's Tosin- the one I'd uh, want to keep. Yeah, and Tosin Cole's also leaving as well. Okay, so we might end up with just Yaz, which I actually think she's the weaker of the companions. The um, Oh, Whitaker's she- still around. Whitaker's not a companion. <laughs> she's the doctor. Right. I'm she's not going to leave the show named after her. <laughs> but yeah, so they're leaving. Um, they said two years... So a show, a show source said that two years is a long time in the world of Doctor Who. Yeah, we'll be back for Christmas, but um, but we'll be the last outing for Ryan and Graham. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, we've now had the Daleks only in Christmas specials for a couple of years now. Yeah, that's, which is also interesting as well. Yeah, I don't think they showed up at all in any Whitaker episode outside the special. Nah, must be the whole budget thing as well. Well, the conspiracy theory is that the licensing agreement with Nation Estate, because for some reason the BBC doesn't own the rights to some of their monsters and stuff. So the theory is Nation Estate owns the right to the... Daleks and they have a agreement that they have to appear once a year or the um, contract lapses. Yeah. Although interesting that you said that one as well because it has also been revealed that Series 13 is going to feature the Daleks. Okay. I won't complain. 
So Chibnall is saying we, we can't leave the Doctor there on that cliffhanger. Well, we did, but the rest is sure. Doctor and her friends will be back on a, for a one-off extended special around Christmas and New Year. That's not saying the Daleks are coming back for season 13. That's saying the Daleks are going to be in the special. Oh, he later goes on to say... Uh, oh, and sh- actually, no, he didn't say anything else. Um... BBC director Charlotte Moore says, I can't wait for the Doctor to go into battle with the ultimate enemy in this this year's festive festive special. Yeah, again, not season 13. Whitaker yeah. is coming back for season 13. If you'd read the article, DJ. Oh, I'm reading another one as well. They're okay. saying that Chibnall's saying that the episode will be a one-off extended, so... Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think it'll be, it's it's going to be interesting having the dialects again. Although, I wish that, uh, in, in that episode with the... Um, Timeless Child episode. I love the Cyber Masters. Oh, I love so, them too. They're so cool. <laughs> the I love the, the design. Yeah. That's what I liked about that episode. Everything was just so insane that it could have worked, but it didn't quite pull together. Oh, if only the they survived. <laughs> well, theoretically, they shouldn't have survived. Practically, at least the Master did, because the Master never actually dies permanently. No, nah, he doesn't. It doesn't matter what they do; they'll bring him back in a year or two. I I will say this this, this um season of Doctor Who. I love the Master. This version of Master was awesome. Like he I, has that cheeky, like he had that cheeky laugh, but then at the, but then at the same time, he has that serious, gruffy, to, gruffy um look on him. Yeah, he's um reminds me a lot of John Sim and the classic Masters as well. Yeah, right. That's sort of the key point for being a Master. You've got to be completely nuts. Although in this case with with Sasha, <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was not only completely nuts, but he was also a broken man at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the Master is basically a Time Lord puppet. They drove him crazy specifically so they could use him to escape the Time War. Yeah, the drums, as I recall. Yeah. Um, I do have a question for you though. How, like with this um with this um finale and how it was received not many people liked it though they were like what the hell it's a huge change like making the vnas canon is gonna absolutely piss people off the the vnas were part of the dark time between doctor who seasons back in the late 80s and the 90s it's and it's all very controversial because not everyone likes the carmel master plan (laughs) so that basically made the most Fan, like the Cartmel Master Plan is the most fan. So it's just to drive the fans nuts. Apparently, it's so it was so badly received. Um, from what I've gathered, apparently, Antiques Roadshow um, beaten Doctor Who the season finale in viewer numbers. That's uh, yeah, a bit embarrassing. I was like, no way! I cannot believe Antiques Roadshow really defeated. Yeah, Chris Chibnall hasn't been the most popular showrunner, and I can see why. Yeah, right. he's definitely not the best I've had since Doctor Who came back. It just comes down to you whether you think he's better or worse than Moffat. It's also another key tenant of the uh, of Doctor Who fandom. One of the showrunners. He could go back to Newman and Lambert, but someone has ruined Doctor Who for you forever. Even if it's the first Doctor Who showrunners, someone's ruined it. And 
you're never going to be happy with them. Nah, nah. So, you know, everyone's upset, but we've just got to ride it out. Give it a couple of years. Chibnall will move on. We'll get a new showrunner. And Doctor Who will be different. You know, if you like Chibnall, it might be better. It might be worse. If you don't like Chibnall, it'll probably be better, but it'll be different. You reckon this the special will save the the series? No, no, no. I don't think it will make a big difference at this point. I think everyone who's pissed off at Chibnall isn't going to watch the special. I I reckon a lot of people will watch it because it's on TV on Christmas Day. Yeah, tradition. But if you're not watching Doctor Who because of Chibnall, you're not gonna probably not gonna come back for that. I mean, he's not. He's not as destructive as um. Who was the other producer? John Nathan Turner. Oh, I think yes, it was. Jonathan Nathan Turner, <laughs> the producer of Doctor Who at the time the show was cancelled. Oh. He has a uh, storied history among the fans. Oh. From what I've gathered, though, because um the BBC, even though with this latest um news of viewership they're saying that um it won't get cancelled yeah i don't think they can afford to cancel it at this point because you know a few years ago it was one of their three biggest shows there was doctor who uh top gear and something else that i don't remember one of the soap operas i think eastenders maybe murders, yeah no i mean some murders is a crime show get your genres right right but um top gear's gone yeah the new Top Gear isn't as big as the old one, as far as I know. Doctor Who's on a slump. If they cancel Doctor Who, they don't have anything carrying them. Yeah, it's interesting because um, BBC drama um, chief Pierce Wenger uh, denied the implication of uh, BBC Studios have any uh, intention of shelving the show. So he basically says, and I quote, I worked on Doctor Who myself and produced it for many years, and I can honestly say that I don't think it's been in better health editorially, uh, Wang argued. He further on states, the production values have never been better. It's also not just funded by the BBC, it's funded by lots of international partners. It's an incredibly important show for young audiences, still watched by families in the world where there's a, where there are fewer shows that have the power to do that. It's, it will always be an important show for us, and we're a lot, very long way from wanting to rest it. Which is good. I don't ever want to go through another dark time. That time from 1986 until 2005, we call it the dark years, the lost years. <laughs> the exiled years. Yeah, but Doctor Who is such an institution, they can't cancel it. I mean, yeah, they will one day. Yeah, but, but the direction they're going recently, it just... I don't know. It, if it gets bad enough, they'll just fire Chibnall and bring in someone else. Yeah, but I, then, what, then here's the problem with everything that's been retconned now. Uh, with the new producer, they're going to say, like, ah, it was all just a dream, guys. So bloody what? It's not like they don't retcon the entire universe every five minutes. Yeah. did it himself. The crack in the universe wiped out the universe, and it was rebuilt from the memories of a of someone who would spend their entire life being mind-wiped by the crack. So she didn't remember any of the multiple invasions. So now, essentially after the Big Bang, everyone on Earth doesn't remember anything. So it gives them a chance to do stories where people don't know about aliens again. Mm. So every few years, they basically dump some retcon on us and just say, deal with it. In this case, they're retconning Gallifrey's history. Yeah, in a very, very weird way. 
I still cannot get over it. It happens. Mm. It's Doctor Who. It just that's just how this goes. <laughs> so you're not going to watch the Christmas special uh, in the? I will watch it. I will watch it. I love Doctor Who. I'm going to watch it. I just don't love it as much as I used to at the moment. And I'm sure that'll change when there's a new script writer. There are some episodes that I absolutely love from the last couple of years. I just don't think the overall quality level is as high as it has been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's going to be interesting just seeing what the BBC is going to do with Doctor Who. I mean, the Christmas special could save them, but it could also break them. So. No, give it a few years more. Yeah. I don't think they'll make any decision for another few years. Unless Whitaker goes, that's it, I'm done, <laughs> I'm out. Then they'll just get a new Doctor. Yeah, that's fair. You can't kill Doctor Who. You just get a new Doctor. Yeah. And a new showrunner. And that doesn't save it. You go on hiatus for 20 years. And probably a new villain as well. No, they don't really do that. They just like to recycle the Masters, Master and the Daleks. Oh, do you, do you, speaking of um, recycling um, old villains and stuff, you know who I would, I would love to see? I would really love to see the, the Rani. Yeah. I mean, it would be awesome in this, t- in, in this version of Doctor Who. I don't know if they'll ever do that, but it would be nice to have some more Time Lord characters. Yeah. I mean, Gallifrey's only been completely wiped out three times in the past 10 years, so there's no evidence that Rani is actually alive. I mean, there are a couple of other Gallifrey, um, like a couple of Gallifreyans as well that, well, technically we do know of, but they haven't been showing up. Like um, the Doctor's Daughter, for example. Remember that de- that um, there was an episode... Not a Gallifreyan. They- hmm? Not a Gallifreyan. No Gallifreyan? I no, swear. she wasn't born on Gallifrey. Oh, okay. But she was Gallifreyan by, um, like, nationality and stuff. By genetics. Yeah. She's the Doctor's direct descendant, recombination of the Doctor's DNA. So basically a clone with mixed up DNA. But she can't regenerate. The only reason she came back to life was because of the um, power of, I think it was called the Source. So the Doctor's daughter isn't a true Gallifreyan, isn't a Time Lord. Hmm. My favorite little bit about her, though, is that the actress who plays the Doctor's daughter in that episode is the Doctor's granddaughter who was married to the Doctor. Oh, nice. She's the granddaughter of the Fifth Doctor, and she's married to the Tenth. (laughs) Well, small world, uh huh? Yeah. Have you seen the extras in Doctor Who? They just keep reusing the same six guys. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't really. (laughs) I just... Don't know where they're going to go next. No, I know. Me neither. I, I mean, the dialects would be a cool. It, it's an interest. It's a good addition in this current time. I mean, yeah, that finale, man. <laughs> just, I'm still trying to get over it. It's, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for all of us. Yep. We need a support group where we can just sit in a circle and pop bubble wrap. <laughs> Not the bubble wrap from Kablam, though. <laughs> And we, uh, we need a campfire as well. <laughs> oh. Why would we have a campfire? Why is that part of a support group? Support groups, you sit in a circle. You know, it's like, you know, it'd be like uh, soothing. What, well, you don't like uh, sitting, uh, sitting around a campfire and looking at the stars and being relaxed. Yeah. But in support groups, you go and you talk about why you feel sad yeah, you and what you're it. going to do to not fall back into the depths of alcoholism. <laughs> I've seen the movies. I know how this works. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I might I might watch it. I might not watch it. I mean, I might watch it just for the intrigue, but then, yeah. Well, I'm just waiting for Chris Chibnall to 
work out how to not have incredibly awkward subtext. Like the master, the doctor who has always been, oh, I will never commit genocide again, has committed genocide in that last episode. <laughs> the doctor who's supposed to be the hero locked up a brown guy with the Nazis. Although, okay, here's one thing that's interesting with the Doctor Who being like a really powerful being in Gallifrey. In the in the Peter Capaldi one, he's basically a, a present time president. Yeah, he overthrows the Time Lord Council, and then it's never mentioned again. Yeah, and then you look at the and then you look at the uh, Whitaker um, era. It's basically, oh, I'm 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 more powerful than the president. I am the creator. <laughs> Oh, that makes any difference because they've killed the doctor before. Yeah. Oh, so much process in this in this season. There's a lot. I know. I know. Anyways, let's get. Let, let, I think we're kind of veering off into the sunset. No, we're not. We could talk about this for another hour. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this for another hour. Since I missed my segue earlier about the bubble wrap. <laughs> Scientists have found out what makes uh, the physics behind soap bubbles. <laughs> the physics behind popping soap bubbles. So basically, um, it's like that song, and to the sound of bubbles. That was bad. Even for you. <laughs> Hey, it's not as bad as you with the with the with the bubble wrap. Hey, I am famous for my segues. <laughs> so when you pop a bubble, it starts with a rupture in the soapy film, and as it grows, the pressure of the bubble changes, causing sound that microphones can pick up. And as it retreats and shrinks back towards the opposite side from where the pop occurred, the molecules pack together near the edge of the film, changing the surface tension, which also changes the sound. Mm. So instead of using uh, high-speed video for this, they've actually used high-speed audio. It would be absolutely cool just to watch this in slow motion as well. Yeah. We need the slow-mo guys on this one. I've probably already done something like that. Probably. And anyway, they don't record the sound. Uh, so yeah. all the sounds in a slow-mo guy's video is actually put in by Gavin. Oh, really? Yeah. He said it in one of his making of videos. Okay. And then I want Gavin doing like when the balloon pops on, I'm just going. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. It'd be, it's, it's, oh, you first. Sorry. It's these little weird things that I love hearing about. It's like, why did they think, let's go and record bubbles popping? <laughs> like, you could be out there solving global warming or world hunger or something, but nope, bubbles. And I love that. <laughs> because you don't know what this is going to apply to in the future. Maybe it'll turn out that bubbles popping in a particular mixture of, I don't know, uranium makes it a more efficient nuclear fuel. And they'll base that off this science. I love the fact that you're right. Um, instead of like global warming and stuff, it's basically, yeah, we're gonna be doing bubbles. <laughs> and um, I like in the in the last bit of this um, article, it's saying this new technique illustrates how acoustics can reveal the changing focus. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Forces that produce certain sounds, including potentially the rumble from within a volcano or buzzing of a bee. Yeah, so actually there's a Tom Scott video from recently, I think, where he goes to a fusion lab and they use a, um, like, they have microphones in the fusion lab hooked up to speakers in the control room so that they can listen to the reaction and hit the hit the big red button if they hear something going wrong because they reckon that the human ear can pick up enough of a change to be able to tell when things have gone wrong yeah and i think this will be, this will also be interesting when it comes to trying to develop trying to develop new um music as well imagine try imagine um finding new inspirations to creating music that would be interesting yeah, I wonder what's the next sound they, they're going to try and find out and it's after now that they, they popped the bubble on this one. That was an awful pun. We are moving on. <laughs> hey, I'm serious on this question, though. But Yeah, it I needs was... a lot more work. So let's see what um see where they go in the next few years. Yeah, yeah. Finally, maybe maybe they could answer this. Maybe they could answer that um, age-old question: if a tree falls down and there's no sound, who's gonna who's gonna hear it? All right, then. I am your host, the professor, and the DJ does not exist anymore. <laughs> Wait, get out! So our next topic is about the PS2. Sorry, PS2. How am I thinking of that? Well, it is the like 20th anniversary this week, and I oh, say someone was asking me about PlayStation 2 games today. But anyway, um, PlayStation now has a game development toolkit called Dreams, which is the latest in an endless stream of game development tools that are designed for people who can't program. So a couple of guys have come out with um who've come out with other games in the past, picked up Dreams and decided to make a clone of No Man's Sky called Beyond. And No Man's Sky, sorry, Beyond is so good that they've actually gotten job offers from it. Huh. Yeah, so that's really cool. That's what, what um what's interesting about when when you, when it comes to these types of games or create when you create these games, it's it's like okay, we know you have the expertise now. We want you to create a full blown game. Here's the toys. It's kind of like it, it, it kind of makes them intimidated at, at certain points. Absolutely, but the barrier to entry is so much lower than downloading Unity. With Unity, you need to learn how to model and program and design. It's really not a user-friendly piece of software, even though it's significantly better than what we've had in the past. What about um, about Blender? Uh, Blender's less well-known, and I haven't actually used it, but... You know, it is a pretty modeling program that includes a game engine, but it's, I don't know anyone who uses it seriously for the game engine side. Yeah. But it's not just remakes of other stuff. It's completely original work as well. And there's a long history of these little tools that let players, well, people who aren't professionals, whack together some assets and use some sort of drag and drop coding interface to develop a game and actually get a playable prototype in a few hours. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the last one I used was uh, Kodu, which was Microsoft, uh, and it wasn't great. The interface was awful. Wait, how do you spell the Kodu? Is it as in like C-O-D-O-O? No, K-O-D-U, I think. 
Yeah, Kodu Game Lab, K-O-D-U. Ah, wow, that's pretty old. Yeah, it is now. But um, yeah, we had to use it at uni for a prototyping exercise. And frankly, I would have preferred to just be given a copy of Unity and told to go, go with it. So here's my question for you, though. So games like this, does it does it affect you as a game developer? Because in terms of you worked so hard to like as a game developer to make a game and you see guys like those kids that made Beyond and the guys, they've just taken away a lot of hard work that I put into no, the game. Because whatever they make in Dreams isn't the same as what they make in something else. And they're working within the limitations of dreams so there's every chance that someone who makes something in dreams will get the bug and go and make a completely new game based on whatever their dreams project was like with gmod so many of the gmod mini games have been bases for a new project or mods for other games this just makes the barrier of entry to begin creating content so much lower Mm. So will you be trying um, Dreams in the in the long run? Not yet. It's still only on a PlayStation. But they have mentioned that they'd like to bring it to PC. So um, maybe I'll give it a go when it comes out. I'm sure at the least there will be some projects I want to give a, a look at because it supports local multiplayer, which is another rare one for this sort of game yeah and it's also very interesting i like how um the cycle they were saying that dreams is like maya unreal free loop sony vegas and photoshop all bundled into one 40 dollar package super intuitive and easy to get started too yeah it's easy to get started but you're still very limited usually yeah, as they were saying here, uh, that's the tutorials to teach the fundamentals of game design, a logic system that, resem- says that, that he says resemble the Unreal Blueprint system and a way of stitching all of your work together. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what people make. Yeah, and provided they don't get DMCA'd and stuff like that, though. I don't think they will. They're only going to get DMCA'd if they make copies of things and those people happen to be particularly sue happy yeah but uh anyway what have you been playing this week i've been playing synthetic arena so it's basically a top-down shooter where you have various um where you have various challenges and you get to have you get to have fun shooting um opponents it's not a battle royale per se it's it's like um commandos where you get to, you have to use stealth to try and um, shoot down your opponent. Um, you got various choices of guns as well to use, and, and an interesting art style. Yeah, and very and various interesting opponents as well. Okay, you got your usual grunts. You've got um, tanks. You've got drones to fight against. You can mod your weapons as well. Pretty fun. Uh, game. The comments are saying that this is basically a demo. Yeah. Oh, not really. It's free to play. Yeah, but a demo can be free to play. What are you saying? <laughs> there should be a. There would be a sign saying in brackets demo. Yeah, but this is a bit of a. It's only got five levels. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they're advertising it as an expansion, but it's only got five levels. Looks like so. Yeah, it's a standalone expansion uh, expansion to the original synthetic game. So, yeah, it's also um you can also do two player co op as well. So, yeah, okay. I'd love to see a two player co op on, on this game. So, yeah, is that a hint? You saying you want to play hint, with me? Not really a hint, but more like uh, I dare I dare any one of our followers to join us and survive the madness, basically. 
Right. I've been playing the original Halo, which is finally uh, being re-released on PC as part of the Master Chief Collection PC edition. So they're finally getting around to it. <laughs> for long enough. So I've heard that this version of Halo is now um, unlimited F- unlimited frames per second and um, it's now 4K supported. Yeah, and it has some bugs. Like, recoil is a bit wacky if you go above, I think, 60 frames per second, apparently. Um, The audio for Reach was messed up, and they're getting an audio engineer in to fix that. But uh, the audio for this one doesn't seem to have the same issues. And it's cheap. It's a full FPS campaign for $10. Wow. Yeah. And it's still the, um, you know, it's got all the features of Halo Anniversary. The other big complaint is that based on Halo Anniversary, it's got the lighting changes and design changes to uh, the, the first flood level. There's some videos on YouTube breaking it down, but the first flood level has changes that kill a lot of the tension. Oh. Because um, it used to be you'd go through an area and there'd be like blood splatters and it would be dark and gloomy, but now it's not. Soundtrack's still the same, by the way? Yeah. Nice. It's all got that classic da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I've still got, like, if I want to, I've still got my original copy of it here. <laughs> on the, the Xbox, which I've got to restore first. Because uh, there's a... I need to get the right screwdriver bits. But it turns out there's a flaw with the original Xbox hardware where a particular capacitor likes to explode and melt the board. So, so yeah. So how many nerdy beanies would you give for Halo out of? Uh, I want to give it a really good score. But it does have bugs and co-op is a bit of a mess. Because um, there's something up with the way they do co-op, so it's really laggy for um, people who join you. Yeah, yeah. I heard the co-op has been pretty buggy for a while. Yeah, so I want to give it more points, but I'm just gonna have to give it three and a half because the single player is fully competent. The um, but even with just taking the single player into account, there's enough bugs in it and other issues that I can't give it anything more. Um, for mine, I will give mine uh, three out of five. Okay. Because if, uh, it's, it's, while it's fun, it does have some um, some issues. For example, your AI can some the AI can sometimes be too react. But um, the also, the game economy in this game is also a, can be very tiresome as well in terms of grinding and whatnot. So the other thing about Halo is the um, weird way they're distributing it. So they're distributing it as each game is DLC for the Master Chief Collection. But they didn't think of um, making it update through Steam. So it's yet another game that technically has a launcher, Hmm. which drives me nuts. Because you can download the game, but then you have to use a launcher to finish the installation. Uh, How about vehicle control in the game? Is it better or worse? Same as it was. Okay. So, uh, shout-outs for this week. On the 29th of February, and continuing on from that, a number of other conventions have been postponed. So, um, the first major convention that I heard of being postponed was GDC, announced on the 29th. But since then, other conventions, gaming conventions, have been postponed. So, stay healthy, guys. Avoid crowded places, avoid travel. 
eat healthy, try not to die. It's not a big deal if you're young, really. Got, um, well, I'm serious. I know. Up until you're about 60, you've only got about 0.2% chance of death, according to the current statistics. So I think it, um, I don't think it's a big issue. And as long as you take basic precautions and you aren't in a high risk group, like being over 60, having asthma, etc. So just don't go nuts and buy all the toilet paper. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Though. They probably couldn't get any toilet paper in public toilets. Here's a question for you, though, Professor. Given all these cancellations that we've been seeing lately, do you reckon E3 will be the next one on next one on target? It wouldn't surprise me. A couple of companies have pulled out already. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of them are, are, are basically stuck with online only events. Yeah, which is a good idea, I think, because this is a uh, bad time to go and hang out with lots of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the first of March, twenty twenty, Luis Alfonso Mendoza, so Soberano passed away. He was known for being the voice of adult of a teenage and adult Gohan in Dragon Ball in the Latin American Spanish dub. Daniel LaRusso in the Karate Kid saga. So is he the original Karate Kid? No. Oh. Wait, as in Dan- uh, Daniel LaRusso? Yeah. Yeah, he's the original Karate Kid, yeah, yeah. So this is the Karate Kid who's died? No, this is the voice for da- uh, right. Sp- the Spanish voice, you know, like dubbing. Well, you better clear that up. <laughs> Uh, the voice of Bugs Bunny and Sheldon Cooper. He was murdered in a shooting in Mexico City. He died at the age of 55 on the 1st of March, 2020. Ghibli held their final presentation before the opening of the Ghibli Park. Oh, this is this it will hold. Oh, it will hold. Sorry, yeah. it's uh, they've announced that they will hold a display from the 25th of June to the 16th of September, containing the some of the theme park's content before it uh, goes back into storage until the opening of the park. Entry costs fourteen dollars for a same day ticket, or thirteen dollars for a pre-book ticket in US dollars. So if you have the money to get to Japan, it's quite cheap. But again, don't travel right now. On the 2nd of March, 1729, Francesco Biacchini, Biacchini, the Italian philosopher and scientist who was the worked for the Curia of Three Popes and worked on the method for calculating the astronomically correct date for Easter in a given year. He deducted the rotational period of Venus using a 100-foot focal-length aerial telescope. Now, the thing is, he was actually looking at clouds and wouldn't have done the uh, calculation, but he thought he did. <laughs> he worked on the parallax of Venus, and he measured the precession of the Earth's rotational axis. And he was responsible for constructing an, a meridian line in the Basilica of Santa Maria degli Angeli e de, de Materi in Rome for calculating the position of the sun and stars. He died at 67 in Rome on the 2nd of March, 1930. D.H. Lawrence, the English writer and poet. His poems explore sexuality, emotional health, vitality, spontaneity, and instinct. His opinions earned him many enemies. He endured persecution, censorship, and misrepresentation of his work. He is best known for his novels Sons and Lovers, The Rainbow, Women in Love, and Lady Chatterley's Lover. His depiction of sexuality, though seen as shocking, when the work was first published, as roots in his highly personal uh, philosophy, he died of tuberculosis at 44 in Venice. Help me out here. What was 
What was so controversial about Lee Chatterley's Lover? I don't know. I've never read it. Ah, okay. But considering the time he lived, talking about sexuality probably wasn't a big thing. Yeah. Nowhere near as uh, open as it is today. So on the 2nd of March, 1944, Ida McLean, the first woman admitted to the London Chemical Society. She published approximately 30 papers in the biochemical journal, including the role of fatty acids in animals and the synthesis of fats from carbohydrates. Her 1943, the monograph, The Metabolism of Fat, was first published in, it was the first published of Methuen's series, Monographs of Biochemical Subjects. She died at 66 in London. And on the 2nd of March, 1962, Charles-Jean de la vallée <laughs> the Belgian mathematician best known for proving the prime number theorem. You forgot the other part, though. Oh, the Baron de la Vallée? Oh, I see his full name. Sorry. Charles-Jean Etienne Gustave Nicolas. <laughs> <laughs> Baron de la Valerie <laughs> And the French people hate me now. <laughs> <laughs> there goes our European followers. <laughs> no, just the French. The British uh, love us. Mm-hmm. So he proved the prime n- number of Europe independently of Jacques Hadamard in 1896. So they both uh, proved it at the same time, around the same time, but without influencing each other. Mm-hmm. He published a counterexample to Alfred Kemp's false proof of the four-color theorem. He died at 95 in Guatemala, Beitzland, Brussels. And onto the birthdays on the 2nd of March, 1545. So Thomas Bodley, who founded the Bodleian Library in Oxford. In 1444, the library was augmented by a gift of 300 manuscripts from Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. And they built a new library above the Divinity School, which was at that time under construction. During the Reformation of the 1550s, the library was stripped and abandoned until Bodley returned in 1598. It was named the Bodleian Library in his library in his honor. I like the nicknames for the um, for the library, though. Yes, the Bod, <laughs> which leads to the best librarian pick up. There you go. Nice bud. <laughs> oh, that sounds so creepy. <laughs> it's a pickup line, isn't that the point? <laughs> yeah, on a Friday night, maybe. <laughs> Can you imagine in, in, in the in 1800s, imagine you say, hey girl, nice bud. Wanna go to the bud? <laughs> like, what the supposed to be well obviously you just you sit there in the park looking up at the building and when someone asks what you're doing you say just checking out this board <laughs> and the 2nd of march 1880s willis h o'brien the american motion picture special effects and stop motion animation pioneer who was best remembered for his work on the lost world kong and mighty joe young for which he won the 1950 Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. They proposed giving him an Oscar for King Kong, but he insisted each of his crew receive an Oscar statue as well. So he refused to accept the, They refused to give him the statues. He refused to accept the award. He was born in Oakland in California. Yeah, so all those old movies that you see in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, and probably the 50s, yeah, give credit to this guy. And that's a great photo to have there on Wikipedia. It's this guy, a very serious looking guy in a suit and hat, playing with a doll and a dinosaur. (laughs) And this is before YouTube came into being. 
<laughs> you just know he sat down there during his and was I'm a dinosaur. And then he had the little people go, run! <laughs> <laughs> So on the 2nd of March, 1902, Edward Condon, the American nuclear physicist, pioneer in quantum mechanics, uh, participated in the development of radar and the Manhattan Project. The Frank Condon principle and the Slater Condon rules are named after. During the McCarthy period, which is when um, the Americans tried to root out communist synthesizers, Edward was a target of the... Sympathizers! Shut up. <laughs> Edward was a target of the House Un-American Activities Committee on the grounds that he was a follower of a new revolutionary movement, quantum mechanics. And that is the only time anyone's tried to equate quantum mechanics with communism. He also was the principal author of the Condon Report, an official review by the USAF that concluded that UFOs have prosaic explanations. Which, let's be honest, most of the time UFOs are just aircraft that you don't get a good look at. There's a reason so many air, like aircraft sighting, UFO sightings, happened around Area 51. Yeah. Because that's where they tested the Blackbird and a bunch of other cool stuff. On the 2nd of March, 1904, Theodore Seuss Geisel, the American children's author, political cartoonist, illustrator, poet, animator, screenwriter, and filmmaker, and scumbag. <laughs> scumbag? <laughs> yeah, he cheated on his wife while she had cancer. Ah. <laughs> and then he, uh, when she died, he hooked up with the. Actually, it might even be while he was still alive. He broke up with her and went and married the mistress. <laughs> yeah. His political cartoons are actually pretty interesting. And he produced um, animations for the United States Army for propaganda. After the war, he, World War II, he returned to writing children's books like The Cat in the Hat and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, anyone want to do any sort of literature analysis on how his time in the army, writing for the army, affected his views of his children books? Like, is the cat in the hat a metaphor for genocide? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> is green eggs and ham about surviving in the nuclear apocalypse among mutated creatures? I was thinking more green eggs and ham was a co- was code word for how to kill Hitler. Yeah, obviously there were sleeper agents in <laughs> um, in Germany, and when they heard Horton hears a who, they knew to go and do whatever that sleeper agent activity is. <laughs> now nobody mentioned Horton hears a who ten years after the war. You're going to ruin my conspiracy theory. On the second of March, nineteen forty nine. Captain James Gallagher landed his B-50 Superfortress Lucky Lady 2 in Fort Worth, Texas, after completing the first non-stop around-the-world airplane flight in 94 hours and one minute. The modified bomber required uh, four air-to-air refuelings as it flew eastward. It was a, um, the, B-59, the B-50 was an updated version of the B-29 from World War II and was close to being obsolete in 1949. It took 14 men to to fly to command that plane. Yeah, which really puts into perspective how big the planes are. So, 14 men to fly for 94 hours seems like um, a lot, considering the world record for longest flight was set by two guys. Yeah, and the interesting part as well is the whole refueling process as well. I mean, back then, like imagine refueling a plane that big. Yeah. Early days. I mean, normally refueling that plane, you have to land down and do the whole 
like insert the fuel pump into the plane and pump fuel in. But- well, that's why they did air to air refueling. It was still fairly new. There's a lot of stuff that happened in the uh, late 40s and 50s in aviation. That's completely commonplace today. Yeah. But you look at how they did it and you're like, how did that ever work? Oh, uh, I would say 80% luck, 20% skill. No, it was a lot of skill. Those test pilots were nuts. Mm. So the current record is held by a B-52, which set the record of 42 hours, 23 minutes in 1980. On the 2nd of March, 1972, Pioneer 10 launched from Cape Canaveral. Over a year later, it passed the asteroid belt and sent back images of Jupiter. And in June 1983, it left the solar system. Now, the question is, has it actually left the solar system? Because with Voyager, every couple of years, you know what, we've redefined the solar system. Now it's left. <laughs> I bet you so the, the rockets. Saw, I reckon Pioneer Ten saw the saw the um, saw an asteroid saying, uh, "The sign saying you are now leaving the solar system." The important question is who put that there. <laughs> I would say the pe- the penguins, but I could be dead dead wrong. The penguins probably have space travel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They come up from the hollow Earth and take off poles. So you don't see them. Yep. On the 2nd of March, 1978, grave robbers stole Charlie Chaplin's body. They stole his body from a cemetery in the Swiss village of cosier sur veve located above Lake Geneva. They sent his widow a ransom of $600,000. Police arrested two auto mechanics, one from Poland, one from Bulgaria. They were political refugees from East apparently stole the body to solve their financial difficulties. And they reburied his body in a grave to prevent future theft. That's got that. That must be pretty bold enough to to steal a body, especially Charlie Chaplin. Well, yeah, six hundred thousand dollars for you know that's some good ransoming, and you'd think you'd get away with it because you know it's just a six hundred thousand dollars. But how much would it cost now if you do the ransom now? I reckon you could get at least a million. Yeah, I mean inflation's gone up a lot since then. Yeah. Uh, that's all we have for tonight. DJ, where can they find us? Um, they can find us on Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, Twitter. Um, all of our deta- all of our details will be on, on our show notes. And they can also find us on that'snotcanon.com where we have an archive of our old episodes and merchandise. Yes, and there's a new podcast from That's Not Canon. Uh, just, just trying to find the name of it. Scared Shitless? No. Lancing With Myself by Steve... Steve D. Oh, why have I got the hiccups? Could they not have waited <laughs> two minutes? <laughs> what? Lancing with myself? <laughs> yep. It's a um, a companion to his YouTube series. Huh. And I haven't listened to it yet, but the um, the caption is, Playtesters are not your enemy. They are your saviors. I'm not sure I agree with that there, but, you know, playtesters are evil. <laughs> but that's all, so... Look after yourself, stay hydrated, and try not to get, try not to get <laughs> sick, and we will see you next week. Shut <laughs> up, DJ. It's a medical condition. <laughs> so is my laughter. <laughs> see you next week. See you guys. Bing.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.